Thank you for watching today. I pray the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. Do you ever ponder, what is the meaning of life? I have a secret for you. God tells us the answer, and today, Pastor Duane is going to let you in on the secret in his message, Kingdom Seeker. Philosopher, a philosopher named uh, Hugh Moorhead once wrote 250 of the best-known philosophers, scientists, writers, and intellectuals around the country. And his question was, in your opinion, what is the meaning or the purpose of life? Some offered their best guess. Some wrote and, and uh, said, we just don't know. Others said, hey, if you find out, please let us know if you discover the meaning of life. Now, that was true of those intellectuals and the experts, but it's true of most people, right? They do not know the meaning or the purpose of life. The reason that so many people don't know the purpose of life is because we start with ourselves. And you can't start with yourself. You need to start with your creator. In uh, Revelation 4 and 11, it says, And for your pleasure, they or we were created. So the purpose, your purpose has to do with God because you were created for his pleasure. And so often we look at ourselves and we start there. But you can't start with yourself. You have to start with your creator. Colossians 1.16 says, everything got started in him, Jesus, and finds their purpose in him. You won't find your purpose in yourself. You will find your purpose in him. And that's why without a relationship with God, you cannot really understand your purpose. Matthew tells the story, it tells, tells how Jesus is approached by the Pharisees and asked, uh, which is the greatest commandment? And really, you could just say it this way, what's the purpose of life? And Jesus answered and said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He said, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So really, the purpose of life is to love God and love your neighbor. That's the purpose of life. In uh, 2 Timothy 1 and 9, it says, For it is he who saved us and chose us, listen to this, for his holy work. Not because we deserve it, but it was his plan long before time began. God's plan was to save you, and God's plan was also to use you. Not just save you, but God has a purpose in saving you. He didn't, in other words, just save you from something. He saved us to something. In uh, Ephesians 2 and 10, the Living Bible says it this way. He, God, planned that we should spend our lives helping others, looking beyond ourselves, but looking out and helping others. Another translation of Romans 12 says this, now you belong to him that you might be useful 
in his service. Ooh. So God didn't just save you to save you. He saved you because he wanted you to be useful in the kingdom of God. Now, it's amazing to me how many of us in the kingdom are just consumers. All right. All we want to do is receive. You know, what can I get out of it? But God saved you that you might be useful in his service. Uh, I like to say that like this, church is an all-skate event. And it's full contact sport, by the way. Uh, because when you get involved with people, how many of you know stuff happens? Right? It just really does. Ephesians 2 and 10, let me, before I do that, let me just say this. You see, what you are is really God's gift to you. Right? But what you do with what you are is your gift to God. Now, now Jesus said to pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into the harvest. Now, notice he didn't say complainers or consumers, but he said, send forth laborers into the harvest. Now, every one of us, I think, we pray every day. And we're asking God to do something, to answer our prayer. Have you ever thought about answering Jesus' prayer? You being the answer. Because he said, pray that the Lord would send forth laborers into the harvest. Have you ever thought about answering that prayer and being a laborer? And beyond that, when we pray for God to send forth laborers, which Jesus told us to do, we shouldn't be praying for something that we're not willing to be a part of the answer to. I didn't, I was hoping to get a little more response, you know. <laughs> <It's this. laughs> All right, Ephesians 2.10, that we may do the good works which God predestined, simply means planned beforehand for us, taking the paths he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life, that he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Now, notice God has planned good works for us. That means you, that means me, every one of us. Now, what I, what I love about this is it says then living the good life. Because what people think is the good life is just taking care of yourself and being selfish, doing all the stuff for me, right? But the Bible says when we get into God's plan, Right? And we begin to love God with all our heart and we begin to love people, that's when we are living the good life. That's what really brings the peace and the, the contentment and the joy that we're looking for. The good life where you're fulfilled. And, and by the way, the Bible talks about it. It's the kingdom of God. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Proverbs 11 28 says this, a life devoted to things is a dead life. You may have seen a bumper sticker I saw several years ago. The bumper sticker said, he who dies with the most toys wins. Anybody else ever see that bumper sticker? It was pretty popular. Now listen, here's God's perspective. A life devoted to things, toys, things, is a dead life, a stump. A God-shaped life is a flourishing tree. So, so the world's perspective is stuff. 
Right? Get the stuff. Just, just focus on yourself. But God's perspective is love God, love people. Somebody wrote Billy Graham. I was just reading one of his, his books this past week. And the person wrote and said, my friends all say I have everything anyone could want. He said, but down inside, I'm empty and I'm restless. What's wrong with me? I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that feel the exact same way. People on the outside look and think, man, your life's great, your life's good. But down on the inside, you're empty. Because your life is focused on you. In a life focused on yourself, it's an empty life. The Bible said it's a dead life. It's just a stump. He said, we need to prioritize the kingdom. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Instead of focusing on God's kingdom, most of us are focused on our kingdom. It's the wrong place to focus. Now, Jesus made this statement in, in, in referring to the end times. Matthew 24, Jesus gives his discourse on the end times. And he says, because of iniquity, let me just put, make it kind of simple, but let's just say sin. How many of you know there's a lot of it going around, being pushed down our throats? Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. Now it says wax cold. And it's really, it's, it's referring to the process of making a candle. Now, what they would do is they would they'd take that string and they'd heat the wax and they would dip it in the wax and take it out and let the wax harden and then dip it back in and harden. And every time a little bit more of that wax would adhere to the string or to the wax that was on the string. And it's a a process of putting it in and out, in and out, you ultimately end up with a functioning candle. But it wasn't something that happened instantly. It was a process. You'd put the string inside the wax, take it out, put it back in, take it out. When, when I was thinking about, I got to thinking about Lot. He's Abraham's nephew. He chooses this beautiful valley to live in. But at the other end of the valley is the wicked city of Sodom. And the Bible says that he goes pitching his tent towards Sodom. In other words, in the beginning, he thought, I don't want to be anywhere near that wicked city. But after a few weeks, he thought, it's so far to go to the vegetable market. I think I'll get a little closer. And then he gets a little closer. And he gets a little closer and a little closer. And ultimately, the Bible says he's sitting in the gates of the city, living inside the city. And you know the story. Uh, he lost everything. He lost his family, his wife, his children, his possessions. He lost everything. But it was a process. It wasn't something that happened instantly. And Jesus tells us in the last days, if we are not careful because of the culture that we live in, he said, our hearts will wax cold, little by little by little by little. See, we need to recognize that and we need to make sure we keep ourselves hot. I like one of the things that, that uh, the Bible talks about Moses, who's brought up in a very pagan culture. He's brought up as a prince of Egypt, but it says he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. 
And by the way, there was nothing Egypt had. He's, he's being brought up in the palace as one of the family of the Pharaoh. Wealth, anything he wanted, it was available. But he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Listen, for he looked to his reward. He looked to his reward. And, and I want to talk a little bit later about looking to your reward because that's what we should be doing because this life is really temporary, but there is an eternity to gain and there is a reward to receive. And remember, we were created, our purpose in what God created us for was to love God and to serve God. The Message Bible in Revelation 22 says this. Jesus is saying, yes, I'm on my way. I'll be there soon, and I'm bringing my payroll with me. One translation says, I've got my paycheck in the hand, right? You see, when Jesus comes back, he's going to give rewards. How many of you, it's amazing how little we think about judgment day, but there is a judgment day coming. Now, we just think, well, that's for the unbelievers. No, it's also for believers. It's to receive a reward. Jesus said, I'll pay all people in full for their life's work. And when we don't know our purpose, we just kind of float around. And when we don't know our purpose, we don't know where we're going, we tend to go backwards. Jesus arose from the dead. He appears to the disciples. But Peter doesn't know what he's going to do. He's denounced the Lord. And so this is what Peter said. He said, I'm going to go fishing. And the other disciples said, we're going with you. Now, do you know what Peter was? Peter, before Jesus called him, he was a fisherman. And so when he no longer had a vision for where he was going, what did he say he was going to do? I'm going to go back to what I know. Now, listen, in our culture, if we don't know where we're going, if we don't know our purpose, if we don't have a vision for where we're supposed to go, we're going to be a reflection of our culture. He who dies with the most toys wins. But I want you to remember the Bible says that's an empty life. That's an empty life. A, a, a life that's full is a life where we're loving God, where we're serving God, where we're serving people. In our entertainment, in our society, so many people are just looking for fun, for entertainment, for sports, for hobbies, work, career, whatever it is, we're, we're, we're out there and we're, we're following our culture when we should be thinking, how do I love God? How do I serve him? How do I love people? Now, the Bible tells us about Judgment Day, by the way, in the book of Revelation, chapter 20. Uh, it's in the 11th verse, it really kind of starts. And it says, then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away and there was no place found for them. This is God about to judge. And uh, theologians, by the way, you may, you may not figure out why they call this the great white throne judgment. You say, why? Because he sits on a great white throne. That's why. All right. And it says, I saw the dead small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. 
The dead were judged according to their works by the things written in the book. And then it goes on and it says, and everyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Someday, you and I are going to stand before God. Every one of us. There's going to be two questions. I don't know exactly the words that are going to be used, but I do know what the two questions are going to entail. The first question is this. What did you do with Jesus? That's the first question that you'll hear. What did you do with Jesus? Did you just know about him? Or did you make him the Lord of your life? What did you do with Jesus? But there's a second question that you are going to hear as a believer. And that is this. What did you do for Jesus? Not what did you do with him, but what did you do for him? Because when Jesus comes back, he is going to give, reward us according to what we have done. Now, you're not saved by what you've done, but if you are a believer, you will be rewarded for what you have done. See, so often in the church today, we're just consumers, but that's not what God has called us to be. So much more than that. He wants us to be partakers of the kingdom. He wants us to work in the kingdom, to love our neighbor as ourselves. In fact, Jesus said this. His disciples are saying, who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus said, let me talk to you about greatness. He said, whoever wants to be great needs to become the servant or serve. Wow. You see, in the, in the world, in our culture, people think they're great when a lot of people serve them. But Jesus said it's the exact opposite. He said, you're great when you serve others. You're not great because you're being served. You're great because you serve. Galatians 3.10. Whenever you have an opportunity, you have to do good to everyone, especially those, the family of believers. Especially those of the family of believers. I, I was texting Rick Renner uh, this week. Uh, Rick's in, in, in Russia as uh, most of you know, and, and for over 10 years now, he's been working on an expanded translation of the New Testament. And I, I happen to have here his uh, translation in 1 Timothy 4, verse 10. I want you to listen to this carefully. Every single one of you, without exception, has received a grace, given a gift from God. Embrace what God has placed inside you. Take ownership of it and do your best to use that special gift to meet the needs of one another. God has entrusted a lot to you by placing those special gifts in your life. And he's depending on you to be faithful with that great responsibility. God's placed a special gift in how many of us? Every one of us. And back to Ephesians 2.10, it says God has prepared good works for every one of us to do. So I want to ask you this question. Are you just serving yourself or are you serving others? Because God's prepared things for us to do. And if we're not doing them, we're missing it. Uh, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon wrote this. He says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. 
right? If you're waiting for everything to be right, he says, you will never get started. Because there's always something. It's my age. It's my family. It's sports. It's my health. It's this. It's that. How many of you know you can always find an excuse? And if you're waiting for the perfect opportunity, the perfect time, you'll never do anything. But what we need to do is recognize that God has called every one of us. He's placed something inside of every one of us, and he's prepared things for every one of us to do. Every one of us. I want to jump ahead here, see if I can find something in here. You see, because so often what we think is we think, well, yeah, that's what the pastor is supposed to do. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, he, Jesus, gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, listen, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So, so literally, my job, I'd say my, my primary gifts are, are teacher and, and pastor. So, so my primary job, according to this verse, is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Most people think I'm supposed to do the work of the ministry. What in the world do we pay you for anyway? But the Bible says, I mean, no, this is our book, you know. This is God talking. The Bible says my job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And so often, we're just, and, and, and that's why so many pastors get burned out because they think, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to make everybody happy. I'm going to do what they think I'm supposed to do. It will wear you out. And besides that, that's not what God called me to do. All right? My, God called me to equip you to do the work of the ministry. So I, I wanted to read a, a couple of, of uh, accounts. Maybe I'll just get to one today about David's mighty men, right? The men that are surrounding David. By the way, these are the people who came to David when David was hiding in a cave. And the Bible says these are the people that are in debt. These are the people that are distressed. These are the people that have got all kinds of problems and they come to David. And as they're around David, they begin to change. How many of you realize that the spirit of faith is caught? It's caught. That's why it's so important that you and I get around believers that are going to encourage us, right, and are going to challenge us. So these people that come to David and they're in distress and they're in debt and they're discontent, they come to David. They become mighty men by being around David. So it says, talking about some of these men, it says, after him was Shammah, the son of Aji, the Hararite. And the Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. Now, my, my, my wife, Jeannie, was, was brought up in Washington State in what they call the Pluse country, right? And there's these massive farms, thousands of acres, and uh, they grow lentils and they grow wheat and they grow peas and, and different stuff like that. Some of you may not know a lot about lentils, but let me just tell you something about lentils. Because Jeannie's from there, Jeannie has fed me a lot of lentils. All right? And uh, they're just really nothing to write home about. <laughs> All right? 
And they're, 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 they're kind of like a bean, you know, but they're really little and kind of, they're, they're just not great. Okay. But he's defending, he's defending this piece of ground, which is like a half an acre of lentils. And the Philistines come and the Bible says, so the people fled from the Philistines. They're like, lentils, this is not worth it. Right? And maybe if we were guarding Fort Knox, but these are just lentils. So they take off. It says, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field. He defended it and he killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory that day. Now, I just want to point out one thing that what he was doing, what he was defending, his responsibility, as you looked at the big picture, was not a big deal. About a half acre of lentils. I'm telling you, I will not go far for lentils. All right? But this guy said, look, my responsibility is lentils. And everybody else takes off. But he puts himself right in the middle of the field, and he will not give up his lentils. He won't give up that bunch of beans. And you say, well, why should we just take a small responsibility and, and hold on and defend and work and give our lives, you know, for some beans? Because listen, if you give the devil your beans, he'll want your salad, and before long, he'll take the whole enchilada. He'll take the whole thing. But here's what's interesting. This guy puts himself in that position where he's defending just a bunch of beans. And the next thing you know, he goes into that day as a private and he comes out as a general. Because he was faithful where God put him. He was faithful with where, where, where God had him. Do you know when you get to heaven, what you want to hear is this. Well done, you good and faithful servant. You might think, well, the thing I'm going to do is a little thing. But it's not a matter of what you think is big or small. It's a matter of faithful. And when we get to heaven, we're going to be rewarded for faithfulness. I love what Martin Luther said. He said, the milkmaid who milks the cow and the pastor who preaches the sermon both equally serve the same Lord. It's not a matter of the what, it's a matter of our faithfulness. And what we want to hear is, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, I'm not sure of the exact date. I think it was 1989. Uh, we were over on 44th Street. Uh, we had two buildings. One was, was the sanctuary, a nursery, and some offices. And the other building was our children's facility. It was in the winter, and we had an ice storm that day. We were doing multiple services. And I remember in the main sanctuary what happened that day. There, there's a few of you that are here that will still remember this. We had four sections of pews. And in the section over here, maybe five or six rows back, I, I noticed a guy. And I even, I even noticed right away during the worship section that this guy was going crazy, you know? I mean, he was just like... And uh, 
I had talked to somebody a few weeks before, and they told me that they were weaving a glory cloud. And I thought, oh, okay, I don't know. Uh, you know, sometimes, I don't know how to say this. Some Christians are like granola Christians. Granola is made up of fruit, nuts, and flakes. <laughs> All right? so, so I wasn't sure, you know, what was going on. But this guy's just going crazy during the service, during the worship part. And then I get up and I'm preaching. And while I'm preaching, he's doing the same thing. He's going like this. And I'm just trying to avoid, but he's not just doing that. He's talking, right? So I'm preaching and he's talking. So I've got to preach really fast because if I'm silent for even a second, people are listening to him. So I just kept on preaching, but I kept on preaching fast. And even during the altar call, I had to do it really fast because this guy, all the time that I'm preaching, he's talking and he's like doing weird stuff like this all of a sudden. So I'm just preaching really fast. Can't be quiet for even a second. It was really hard to give an altar call because I'm talking like this during the altar call so that people don't listen to him. Okay. Well, we find out after service, right? Didn't find out until later. This guy is a Satanist and he's there pronouncing curses and cursing me and the church. Well, somebody says, well, were you afraid? Not at all. The Bible says there is no divination against Jacob and against Israel. So if you're a believer, there is no divination against you. You're under the blood, right? So I wasn't worried about that, but listen, listen, listen. And I'm thinking during the altar call, I'm thinking during the service, why doesn't somebody get that guy? Why doesn't somebody haul him out? All right? So the service is over. Here come a group of the, of the uh, ushers. And they said, Pastor, did you notice that guy? <laughs> they did. They, really, they did. Okay. And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I did. And they said, you know, we thought about going over there and telling him to be quiet or just taking him right out of the service. And I said, why didn't you? They said, well, we just weren't sure what we should do. And I said to them, when in doubt, do it. <laughs> All right? Because listen, listen, listen. Leadership is taking ownership, right? Leadership is taking ownership. Well, they've hardly left when here come the elders. And they said the same thing. They said, Pastor, did you notice? I said, yes, I did. I remember one of them said, well, I thought about going right over there and taking him out of service. And I said, and why didn't you? And he said, well, I wasn't sure. And I said, when in doubt, do it. Take ownership. That Sunday, we had an ice storm. And again, we had the main sanctuary building, but then we had the children's facility. And I don't know what happened exactly because the main building, they had poured out tons of salt so nobody would slip. But on the children's facility, they didn't. But they put a bucket out there full of salt. And anybody, and, and literally hundreds of people walked by, anybody, anybody could have taken that salt and thrown it out there on the ice. But uh, in between services, one of the, the workers, Lisa, she was walking out of that building. She fell and she broke her leg. Ended up in the hospital. But worse than that, uh, it got infected. And they were talking about possibly having to amputate her leg. Now, God was gracious. She's fine to this day. Now, it's been 30 years. 
almost 30, it's been, it's been 30 years. But anybody, listen, who could have, who could have thrown some salt? Anybody. It was right there. It was right there. Anybody could do it. You see, sometimes things in the kingdom of God don't get done because of people who could do it think that it's such a small thing. But small things are big things in the kingdom of God. And we're not rewarded based on the size of what we do. We're rewarded based on our faithfulness to do what how can we say it? The good works that God prepared for us beforehand to do. The way I got in ministry was I went to help. We went to Mexico to help a missionary. I cut the grass. I cleaned the bathrooms. I set up the chairs. I swept the floor. I did anything and everything that the missionary needed me to do. But God had a different plan. And in a very short period of time, he left and we were in charge. Right? It was not my plan. It was not what I thought I wanted to do. It was the one thing I knew I would never do was speak publicly. I knew that because it scared the eebie-jeebies out of me. All right? But when we started doing something, God got us where he wanted us to be. It was a process. And seldom is your line to your destiny a straight line. It usually goes something like this. But the Bible says this. It says that God takes us from faith to faith. So what that means is this, that God will never design a plan for your life that does not require your faith. See, I want to thank you for being with us today. But I want to ask you a question. I want to ask if you're right with God. Some of you, you're away from the Lord. At one time, you lived for him. Others, you don't know where you stand with God. But the Bible says this. It says, know that you have everlasting life. We're not supposed to die and find out if we're right with God. We're supposed to know today, right now, that you're forgiven and right with God. And if you don't know, I want to invite you to pray this prayer. Or you're away from God and you say, I want to get right with God. I want you to repeat these words with me. Just say, from your heart, just say this. Say, oh God. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. Jesus is my king. Jesus is my Lord. I thank you I'm forgiven, a part of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, you really are right with God. You're forgiven. You're on your way to heaven. Now, I wrote a book, and I want you to have a free copy of that book. You can download that book. Information is right there on your screen. Or you can contact us, and we'll get you a hard copy. We love you, and God bless you. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Download it right there instantly, or you can find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Walking by Faith is used on and off the air to change lives all around the world. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider becoming a partner with us. You can now text WBF Give to 188 364 give. 
Visit walkingbyfaith.tv give or click on the giving icon in our app. Find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and on your favorite social platform by searching for WBF TV. Also, check out our app in your favorite app store. You can download past sermons, follow along with notes, speak confessions over your life, and so much more. This week, I pray that you look to serve God in all you do. Be blessed.